Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You don't want them to waste that tragedy. Because if they don't get it this way, maybe the Lord's going to have to allow other things to come in until they get to a point of brokenness as a believer. Because he's not praying for the lost here, is he? He's praying for those who already know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Here's second, verse 18. You want to ask the Lord to help them to understand four great truths. It says that they would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's something that God will provide. But here he says, I pray the eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that you may know. Now I'm going to unpack those four because you're going to want to have these because these are the things you're exactly praying for that you want them to have. You want them to have this wisdom and revelation but you want their eyes to understand four truths. And what's so interesting about this and I love this when he says it in this passage here these understanding that would be enlightened that your eyes would be open to know. You see that word know? That word know is different than the full knowledge. This is a Greek word that means to know like facts, like truths. There's a great book out called Love the Lord with All of Your Mind. That there is a time that you need to know truth. You need to know doctrine. You need to know the facts behind this. Watch. If you know the facts, and they're truth facts I'm talking, not just facts and trivia junk, but truth facts, that is your gateway into fully experiencing God. So you've got to know the facts. So let's go through these now, shall we? First of all, we're praying that they would know the hope of His calling. And I call that God's purpose in their life. Look at the verse again. So that you may know facts like maybe a military guy would know his soldiers and his equipment. All right, That you may know the facts and what is the hope of His calling. The facts about that. Notice how we talked about all that hope. It could be a subtle way for them to understand that they needed to have more hope. Now, if you will, let me come up for air for just a moment and share something else with you about this passage. You know, when Paul is praying here, my question would be, Paul, why are you telling us what you're praying, you braggadocious guy? You're telling us that you're praying. Okay, what a good guy, Paul. You're telling us what you're praying about. Oh, you're a spiritual, you know, highfalutin guy right here. Why are you doing that? Let everybody know how spiritual you are. Now, here's why I think he's doing it. My main reason is because the Holy Spirit prompted him to do that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I look back at that and I say, oh Lord, thank you because I'd never know how to pray this kind of prayer unless we saw someone tell us how he prayed for others. So thank you for giving him as our example, our model, our mentor. And then the other thing he did in here I thought was so cool was he didn't just say, hey Ephesians, just want you to know I'm praying for you. How about those chariots or whatever team they're following, you know? He said, I am praying for you. Here's what I'm praying. Here's how often I'm praying. Now stay with me. I think he is giving them a subtle message as well. So what you're getting today is two messages for the price of one. You're learning how to pray, but you're also learning some spiritual truths at the same time. How many of you have done that with other people? And maybe that's a good way to maybe teach others is to tell them what you're praying for. Next time you say, yeah, I'll pray for you, tell them what you're praying about. And when you do, give them some of the deeper things. Because it's through those deeper things that they're going to be able to begin to walk toward the full knowledge of God. Okay, let's go back to the passage now. So, that they would understand the hope of His calling. Not their calling, but His calling. Which I think is their calling, which is His calling. So look up here for that. God has a calling on our life. First of all, I know that because you were born. 
And you came to an age where you could come to know Christ as Savior. Part of the calling on your life is everything he orchestrated for you to come to a point where you would need to know Christ and he brought the message of salvation by faith alone to you. That's all part of that calling. When you trusted Christ as Savior, the calling continued because now you're called as one of his children to purity and holiness so that you'll live a life that will be pleasing to him so that when you communicate the gospel, you'll have more strength, power, and example, and a testimony for others who may want to hear it more because it's true. So you have a calling on your life. Now, there are other callings besides the general calling. There are specific callings. Some of you might be called in a ministry, we might say, a particular ministry. The point of the matter is it's not your calling. I remember when I was a teenager, guys, you that are about 12 years old, um, I remember I was at my mom and dad's house, and my brother was there, and he was, I have a brother 15 years older than me, so he was already on with life, and we're sitting there, and I was saying to them, what do you think I should be when I grow up? I was lost as a goonie bird, went to church two times, parents never took us to church, brother never went to church, and so I'm sitting there, and I said, what do you think I should do with my life? And I'm just, you know, a little pudgy then, you know, a 12-year-old kid, you know, just getting into surfing, and just kind of a, the black sheep of the family, not in too much trouble, but I didn't paddle in the same direction the family was. And I'm sitting there, what do you think I should do when I grew up? And I thought they'd say maybe race car driver or something, you know, something really cool. They said, you know what, Stan, I think you'd be a good preacher or a teacher. Now, I don't think there was any woo-woo-woo message of God through them, but look at what I am now. I'm a preacher, and most of the time, I'm more of a teacher than I'm a preacher, than a pulpit pounder. And that's really who I am. Now, I had no idea, but I'm wondering, in God's sovereignty, even before I came to faith in Christ, there was this initial thing starting to come into focus where even other people could see that I stood for righteousness, I stood for truth, integrity, and I always wanted to tell people what to do. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but the last part of all that is I think God might have had a calling on my life. My question to you is, do you know your calling? And secondly, when you're praying for others... Are you praying that their eyes would be enlightened so that they would know the hope of his calling? Now, technically, I think the hope of the calling is all in context here, which would be their salvation. It's the promise of God that he always keeps, and it's the promise that you will have eternal life when you place your faith alone in him, and you'll have that eternal life forever and ever. That's that eternal calling, and that's the hope that I don't ever have to worry about. I anticipate that with joy. I have that hope. I tell you, that's a great thing to have. And you might want to be praying for that for the people that no matter what you're going through, whatever tragedy you're in right now, I want you to know that did not take away the love of God in your life. It has not separated you from eternity with him. That whatever is happening, this is all part of a purpose and a plan for your life and that you don't want to miss one part of this educational, spiritual or otherwise, journey upon which you found yourself. And so I would like to ask the same for you. Would you pray for that? Think about our missionaries right now. What kind of sermon illustrations will Doug have after he lost his house? And it goes on and on and on from that. All right, let's look at number two. All right, we're praying that their eyes will be open to these great truths, the purpose of their life, but also the possessions in their life, the riches of his inheritance. It says, so that you may know, again, factually, the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Underline the word riches and glory, kind of like both together, riches and glory, riches and glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, if you have your Bible, notice it says here, his inheritance not to the saints or for the saints. Yes, we know God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything God has, he gives to his son, and everything his son has, we have as a Christian. That's all part of the inheritance. But his inheritance in the saints, I think it's a little bit more than that. That now that I have come to know Christ as my Savior, I am what is now known as a Christ one. That's where you get a word Christian. I'm a Christ one. 
So all of that inheritance that belongs to Jesus is now all of mine and I am all of him because I'm in Christ. We are now one in him. Now I might still sin. I do still, still sin. He doesn't. But I have that inheritance. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. You can lose your house. You can lose your money. You can lose your investments. You can lose your retirement. You can lose your job. All of that can be gone. But one thing, nothing of that could take away from you is his inheritance. And I love this. In the saints. Now, if it's in the saints, it's not so much of stuff that you have. It's the saint that's the inheritance. Stay with me on this. It's pretty deep. Sometimes when a person goes through tragedy, some of the question they ask is, why didn't I come home earlier? Why did I drive my car? Why did I do this? Oh, I shouldn't have been here at this time. Look what happened. Oh, man, how could they do this? If I had a different boss, if I had a different wife, if I had a different... Look at this bad stuff that's happened to me. And so all of a sudden they start beating themselves up. Now true guilt will come in when you do have sin and it's caused by your sin. But on the other hand, there's things that happen that's out of your control and you say, why did that happen? And you begin to beat up on yourself. I want you to know that the riches of the glory is still found in you because you are a Christian. Those of you that are outside of Christ, in other words, you haven't placed your faith in Christ, the best you can do is to try to pull yourself up by the bootsteps, read all these books, go to all these seminars on psychocybernetics, whatever your mind can conceive, you can achieve, and maybe look at yourself and look what I've done. And you look at most of those people, they'll look at all the things that they have done, and those people are goal-oriented usually, and they see all the stuff they haven't done, and they're still in the pits. You and I who are Christians, I'm in Christ. Nothing you take away from me will ever hinder me to be intimate with the Lord and to, watch this, to fulfill His will for my life to reach others for Christ, His way in His timing. All right, so the riches of the inheritance that we have in Christ. It's not based on who I am, it's based on whose I am. All right, number three, pray that our eyes will be open to the greatness of His power, that would be God's power in their life, and you want them to have a full understanding of that. Do you have your Bibles ready? I call this a bouquet of power, 19 and 20. Look what it says. Follow along. Just read it. It says, So that you may know, knowledge-wise, what is the exceeding greatness of not your power, but God's power, where? Toward us, not to anybody, but only to those who believe in Christ, not to those who are unsaved, but to those who are believers, according to the working of whose power? His power. And it works mightily, not a little bit. You don't just have the source. You have it working in you, which he worked in Christ. Uh Uh-oh. That means the same power that God did for Christ is the same power that he does for you. The same power that's working in Christ is the same power that's working in you. It's identical power, so you're no less powerful than Christ. Then it says, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So look up here for a second. That power that took Jesus, who was dead, 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 dead on the cross, gave him life, And then it said, he resurrected off that life. So he didn't just kind of wake up on the cross and go on with life. He woke up and he went up and he went up to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The rest of the passage we'll get to in a moment says that and every other power source is under him. Now, all that took power. That power is in you and me when we've trusted Christ as Savior. So when we say, I can't stop smoking, if that's your problem, then what are you saying? That cigarette's more powerful than the power that raised Jesus from the dead? I can't quit lying. I just, I just prevaricate all the time. I want you to know that's terrible, and sin is powerful. Satan is powerful, but not as powerful as the Holy Spirit, God, who's inside of you. And so now, watch. When I pray for the people going through tragedy, and they say, I just can't make it. In the flesh, I know you can't, and I want to love you, and I want to hug you. I want to be there for you. I want to just identify. I want to have empathy. I want to weep with those that weep. But at the same time, there's a little bit reserved back that says, 
but you can make it. And my other flesh says, well, just build a bridge and get over it. But I don't want to do that because maybe God will bring something on me. But my point still is, they can overcome whatever tragedy, whatever they're going through right now, through Christ and the power to be able to come out of it. I don't know what you're going to look like on the other side of this. Your homes, your families, your relationships, your life will never, ever, 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 ever be the same again. But I do know this. You'll have all the power. Watch this, watch this. All the power necessary to do whatever God wants you to do with the rest of your life for his glory. And the last is simply this, that God also has the supremacy of Christ so you can have the what I call the preeminence of Christ in their life. So in other words, it's not just so that you now, hey, I've got purpose in my life. Woo, all right, man, I've got power in my life. All of that, now watch this, all of that comes together to do one thing, to bring glory to the Lord. People have tragedy. What's my job? I need to pray for them. What do I pray for them? Everything we've just studied. Why do I want to pray for them? So the end result would be that through it all, through all that that they're getting, they would bring glory to the Lord. That brings it full circle again. Go back to verse 22 and 23. It says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things the church. That's huge. I love that. Which is his body, the fullness of Christ, who fills all in all. He is the supreme one. Now, some of you want to know, is this really doable, Stan? Can I really do this? I have an answer for you. No, you can't. Because this is supernatural, and it's only involving those that know Christ as Savior. Can I pray this prayer? I, I believe you can. Because I know God put into the Word here, and this is part of us obeying the Word. I want to give you a testimony of a, of a gentleman by the name of Vince. He gave me permission to share this, and we will close with this. <clears throat> it was a tough time in his life. We watched Vince grow up as a little boy, about his size. Remember little Camuela up here who got baptized last week? We knew Vince when he was that age. We watched him develop in a Christian home. He would tell you that his home was very dysfunctional. I think it was too, even as a Christian home. And there are those that are like that, that somehow just don't follow the Lord in obedience from the inside out. And because of that, he began to really wobble. Not as bad as his family did, but he wobbled. Then he went on into life and he decided, because he still had a good underpinning of Christianity as a boy believer, that he would be a police officer. So there was right and wrong. So he became a Dallas policeman. When he was with the Dallas Police Department, he ended up there. And they liked him so much that they asked him to apply to be a FBI agent. So he started to go through the FBI thing and he said, you know, I just, just don't want to do that. I would rather go into law. So then he went to law school and he put himself through law school. In that time, he married had children, but at the same time he lived a life of duplicity as a believer. He wasn't really walking with God as he should. He raised his family, reared his family, related to his family with anger, temper, and so he lost his family where they had to retreat for safety. He now lost this, wasn't sure that he'd be able to practice law. Certain things were coming down all around him with child support. And one night we received a phone call. Living in the mountains of Georgia, the call came in from Vince and he says, I'm broken, I'm messed up. And he goes through this story and he says, I need help. I'm so broken, I, I, need, to, I, need, I need to come back to God. I've lost, lost everything. And I said, well, Vince, your problems are pretty involved, pretty long in one conversation and even over the phone isn't gonna help you. I'd like you to come see us and, and stay with us for a week. Can you do that? And he started to just, you won't believe this. I'm halfway to your house now. I've left Dallas and I just knew you'd say I could come. 
So I said, yeah, come on. So he came. So we went through scripture, went through a healing process of what the Bible had to say to try to do broke, repair broken relationships. And we spent years working with him. And then we received a letter from him. Now this letter is dated, I know, March 28, 2006. Here's what he wrote us. He said, Dear Stan and Carol, now listen to the word that's deep. He says, As believers in Christ, we are heirs to a rich inheritance that God promised to his faithful servant. It cannot be measured or equaled even by the sum of wealth possessed by all past and present kings of this world. However, the beauty of this inheritance is not its immeasurable quality, but the fact that it has been given to us freely by our loving Heavenly Father and paid for so dearly by His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our inheritance includes eternal life in heaven in everlasting fellowship with the one true God. It includes hope and strength to endure life's struggles on earth. Our inheritance as followers of Christ includes God's Holy Spirit that dwells within us and makes available to us the power to battle Satan and resist his powerful temptations. Even with this power that is made available to us, we often rely upon our own insufficient strength, or even worse, knowingly choose to give in to the appeal of our sinful desires without calling upon God and drawing upon the strength of His Holy Spirit. I think I have been finally humbled to the extent that I realize the richness of my inheritance, the power that is available to me, and the hope for a life filled with blessings from God. God longs for a close relationship with His children. He desires for each of us to become more like His Son, Jesus Christ, whose purpose was to honor and glorify the Father, The moon sits in our heavens for one purpose, and that is to reflect the light of the sun. God has placed us on earth for one purpose, and that is to reflect his glory. Now there's more in this letter about how broken and what God did to bring him to the point of understanding, having his eyes open to this truth, owning it. Fast forward it now today, six years later. I received an email this morning from him. I've been receiving him all along. He is mightily walking with the Lord. He is a successful attorney in private practice in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's got a wonderful wife and children and serves the Lord weekly in his church and his ministry. I want you to know that that's the result of knowing these truths that you heard today and owning them. And so first of all, while we pray for others when they have need, these prayers, would you first of all pray for yourself that these would be things you know for you and then take that to the next generation of people? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around? For some of you that today is the day that you're ready to now make that decision, we might call to... Really call upon the Lord as your Savior. And some of you are sorting all of this out and you're wondering, how do I get over the line? How do I become one of, one of those that are in God's forever family? Well, it's very simple. It's a mental thing. It starts there. It's where you realize that you're a sinner. It doesn't take a lot. It's just to realize you missed the mark of God's perfection. Realize that because you sinned, you're separated from Him for all eternity, but you're a sinner by nature, not just by the deeds that you do. And that no matter how good you are, you'd have to be perfect to go to heaven. And and you can't be. So know that. Know that. 
Know that you cannot be good by any religious deeds or any social deeds that you do. So you have to turn from that thinking those things will get you into heaven. And now you have to cast your eyes upon the truth that Jesus died as God on the cross. Well, God did not die, Jesus did. And he took all your sin of all time and he paid for it and he rose again from the dead. In other words, that's the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ. And so would you right now not just know that, move to the next level and believe it is truth and then go to the next level and simply say, I know that happened. I know that to be truth. And now I'm going to trust that by trusting Jesus Christ for the full forgiveness of my sin. I know I'll make mistakes afterwards, but my sins are paid for. I know now that I have a power source that will help me and that through the exchange life, my life can be better. But Lord, I'm trusting in you as my Savior by faith alone. My good deeds will not help me get to heaven. I am not trusting you and promising to do good deeds to get saved or to be a part of your family. I'm not doing any good deeds afterwards to stay in your family. If grace can save me, grace can keep me. And I believe that, Lord. But Father, now as a new believer in you, I'm choosing to live a different life as a way to say thank you and gratitude for what you've done and to show people that it's really real with me. So let's go back. Is there anyone here today that's willing to, quote, step over the line and place your faith alone in Jesus Christ for the full forgiveness of your sin? So you can be a partaker of his divine nature and all of his blessings and a home in heaven and eternal relationship and sins forgiven and there's a whole lot more. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand in a moment if you're doing that in here today. If you've already trusted Christ, that's good news. I'm grateful for that. Man, that's good. You've been doing that a while. I've been in this family. But I'm going to talk to those that are just today trusting Christ. It's you that I'd like you to slip up your hand if you're trusting him today. Now, it's not so much of a prayer as it is a, maybe a conversation, a transaction. Something's going on where that you're passing from death into life where you are now acknowledging Christ as your Savior who is the Lord who died again, rose again from the dead. All right, now, when you lift up your hand, that doesn't save you. Me praying for you doesn't save you. Walking an aisle doesn't save you. But me praying for you is only welcoming you into a family that you now have become a part of the moment you trusted Christ before you lifted your hand. So I'd like to know that. Is there anyone in here today that said to the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm placing my faith in you for the full forgiveness of sin. And I want to thank you for dying and rising again so I could have eternal life. And now you'd like for me to pray for you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Is today the day you're doing that? Would you put up your hand right now? Is there anyone? All right, Christians. How many of you would like me to pray for you because you saw the word today about how to pray for others when others need prayer in a deeper, more richer way, at least from this one example of Paul's prayer and, and you know that that that's how you should pray and that's how you want to pray but you know that this is a whole new way of praying and that you got to get a little bit more into this but you'd like for me to just maybe pray for you now as you would know these truths for yourself and then to pray for others when they have bad times and when they have good times how many of you would like to have prayer I'd like to pray for you right now because this is the beginning of a new prayer life for you would you like me to pray for you? Would you slip up your hand right now? Thank you. Thank you. 
my hand is up too. Now, folks, if you thought this one passage was rich, you can only imagine with, Flip, with Ephesians 3, Philippians 1, Colossians 1 would be. You can order my notes if you'd like, or just get into the Word yourself. Read those passages, and you're going to see, again, how this is like a beautiful rose, and I just gave you one petal on this rose. Like a beautiful plumeria, one petal on this plumeria. But all of it together is a beautiful aroma of communion with the Lord when others need prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for a church that allows me the freedom to be able to teach and to preach without the encumbrance of having to rush to get down to get to the next thing. And Father, we can continue on to learn. But now, Lord, I trust the Holy Spirit to work in all of our lives that you will take this, you'll continue to drill deep within us and that you'll bring more people into these good, solid teachings from your word so they would then discover the fullness of the knowledge of God by faith alone. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,